Hello, and welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we talk to real people who have overcome real challenges and are making our world better because of it. They have taken life's lemons and are making lemonade. Thank you for joining me. Lindsay, welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I'm looking forward to getting to know you more, and I can't wait to hear your story. So start out by telling me just a couple of little things about yourself. Yeah, a couple unique things about me. I initially studied vocal performance in college, and I've done a lot of theater and opera performances back in the day, even though fitness is my current profession. So that's kind of a fun thing. Um, I'm also a really horrible parallel parker, so I really avoid that. at all costs. It's awful. (laughs) And, um, one other fun tidbit. I love movie theater popcorn. I have driven to the theater before just to pick up popcorn and then I'll take it home and watch a movie and eat the popcorn. (laughs) I love that so much. I'm the same with the parking. I will go around the block and park somewhere else before I'll try to parallel park. (laughs) I know I get that. Oh, well, thank you. That's awesome. Um, let's start. Let's take, take me back to start with your story, your lemon to lemonade experience. I want to hear about why are you doing what you're doing now? Yeah. So my husband and I have four kids and, um, after my third baby was born, he was diagnosed, um, as a baby with an incredibly rare lung disease. And we were told that he would need lung transplants to survive and that the transplants would potentially give him five years on average, um, after surgery beyond that to live. So that obviously doesn't sound like a happy start to a story or like an everything was peaceful beginning. However, um, after we lived in that space and that reality for almost four years, our son made a full recovery without transplant and things felt more peaceful in my life than I had felt in a really, really long time. And we felt like we'd seen a miracle. So life was good that's where I want to start my story. Life was really good. My children were alive and well, and we'd moved from Boston to California and we'd made our way back to Utah. So we were near family. I was feeling freer to devote a bit more time to myself and to fitness, which is what I'm so passionate about and what I've always loved. And my husband and I decided that we felt courageous enough that we were going to try for our fourth baby. And that can be a little bit messy, you know, after you've had a child that's really struggled, just getting up the courage. We we were there. So gratitude has never run deeper in my heart than during that little phase of my life. It just felt so full. So after my fourth pregnancy, I was at the gym one day, I was exercising, I was working on getting right back to what I'd been doing during pregnancy and beforehand because... I just didn't want to let the grass grow. I didn't want to lose any time. Um, A lot of women will say something along the lines of, I wanted to get my body back really quickly, right? And from hearing women say that, I kind of translate that into, we want to feel capable again quickly. It's not necessarily about a look or a size or anything like that so much as we want to feel strong in our body. We want to feel confident. And that was me. So I was at the gym. I was doing box jumps. I am the kind of personality that's going to push myself and I'm going to ignore a lot of physical cues, maybe even to just make sure that I'm going hardcore, going all in, making sure that I'm being my best. So I was doing these box jumps and I threw my back out at the gym horribly bad, so bad. In fact, I had to hobble out of the gym and by the time I got home, I couldn't even get out of my car. So my husband had to come help me get out of the car. 
And I was really frustrated because, you know, I had done the things I had stayed fit during pregnancy. So I thought I had exercised beforehand. Um, so this was kind of a new thing for me. And over the course of the next six months or so, I would continue to deal with back pain chronically, energy loss, hormone dysfunction, and throw my back out like, oh, another four or five times. Once while I was even just sitting up in bed, my whole back <laughs> just went. Um, and that was really draining and really discouraging. I couldn't even lift my my five-month-old baby to get him into the car seat. So my quality of life was really struggling. And beyond that, I mean, I was peeing my pants when I lifted things or sneeze or cough. You hear moms oftentimes talk about how normal that is after you've had babies, but I hated it and I didn't want it to be normal. I, I pretty much felt completely broken in my body. And honestly, I think for people who deal with chronic pain, one of the most difficult pieces of that is feeling like your body is not an accurate depiction of your inner spirit, your inner fire, who you really are. It can be completely debilitating emotionally aside from just physically, right? And that's kind of where I was at. And I felt like I wasn't showing up as a powerful mom or wife or friend, anything, because I was so lost in this three foot world of my pain, right? I love fitness. I love it so much. So because of this, I mentioned I was very active during my pregnancy with my fourth baby, and I felt like I'd done everything right and lifted weights, did a lot of high impact training. Um, but in fact, much to my detriment, many women are not taught how to accurately care for their body during pregnancy, how to safely lift weights, um, how to train for function rather than for fitness or how to create a foundation of sustainability rather than how far can I push myself during this phase. We're also told that if it's something you were doing before pregnancy, exercise-wise, then you're safe to keep doing it during pregnancy. But that's a pretty broad uh, blanket statement for, you know, where are those lines? How do I know when too much is too much? And that was a problem that I had faced. I didn't know when I was pushing my body beyond what it would be able to sustain during that time. And then after I delivered. So after my fourth baby was born, I knew my body was in rough shape right off the get-go, even before I threw out my back. I had lost a fair amount of strength and control in my hips, my legs, and my core. But the biggest issue was I just didn't know what was wrong. I didn't I couldn't put my finger on like why my body felt so broken. I was eating healthy. I was exercising and it still wasn't working. Um, I hadn't even heard of diastasis recti, which is abdominal separation until after my fourth pregnancy, when I was on Google, like searching, are my abs separated? And should I know about that? And what does that mean? And what are the symptoms of that? And how would I know if I had it? Because I honestly, at this point, just assumed that with time, my body would heal. It would go back to normal because that's just what I'd been taught. You leave the hospital and you're given no resources to recover from pregnancy. You're given some resources on how to take care of your infant, but never mind the fact that your body just went through major trauma. And for many women, surgery, like major abdominal surgery, your insides have been stretched then your stability and your posture and alignment, everything has now shifted to make accommodations for that sweet little life. But being able to recover is something that we just aren't given any kind of resources on. Um, I like to call this the fourth trimester gap 
in our healthcare system. Women give birth. We have our six week checkup. And at my six week checkup, I mentioned to my physician who I dearly love, and I think is very, very smart and good at what she does. I mentioned to her that I couldn't lie on my back and close my legs without using my hands, my, my inner thigh, my leg couldn't pull the weight of my leg to center. And then I was really nervous about that. I was really scared. And she told me that with time, don't worry, it'll, it'll resolve itself. Uh, but that's the problem. Women aren't given a standard of physical therapy or rehab after their entire body has shifted and changed. So moms everywhere and likely even within your own circles that you know of, whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, are still dealing with chronic back pain, incontinence, hip pain, pain with intimacy, years and years and years after having their kids. It's what we've come to accept as normal standard of care. So my favorite part of this story is this. I wanted to be athletic. I had goals for myself and I had dreams and seeing that all swept away almost instantly was so disheartening, but I wanted to be able to go on hikes with my kids and be the one that wore the hiking backpack with my kid with no hesitation. I didn't want to have to ask my husband to do that every time I wanted to feel capable and I wanted to be able to jump on the trampoline and not pee my pants and chase my kids and challenge my body and show my kids by example what it means to really live and to thrive. And I wanted to have the energy and stamina for them and and for my grandkids years down the road one day to be able to show up as a really powerful version of myself. And what I'm so grateful for through my experience is there was always a little voice in the back of my mind, even when it felt entirely hopeless, that kept telling me this one thing if I had all the resources in the world, all of the professional trainers at my disposal, someone, someone would be able to help me. Someone would have the answers where at the time I was only getting small pieces of help from chiropractors and massage therapists, even physical therapists or personal trainers and online research. But I knew that somewhere out there, someone could help me and that there were answers and I never gave up on that hope that I could be athletic, that if someone wanted, they could take a body as broken as mine, if they had the skill set, and create an athlete. It lit a fire inside of me like you wouldn't believe. And because of all of my years of chronic pain and frustration, I'm really grateful for that because my career was born. My career, my passion, my desire to help other women, I spent years earlier on as a mom, devoting all of my time to raising my kiddos and doing some work here and there on the side. But this felt really different. Uh, I became so passionate about ensuring that other moms who were going through what I had would have answers so much quicker than what I had, that they wouldn't have to crawl through the mud like I did for years and years and years, and that they could become the most powerful versions of themselves. And so, and realize that having kids uh, didn't have to mean sacrificing their body for the rest of their life just because that's just how it is, right? We hear that all the time. That's just how it is when you have kids. No, that's not how it is. And as I studied, I certified in postpartum corrective exercise and pelvis biomechanics, shoulder biomechanics, personal training. I was just drinking it in. 
But the best part was that I began implementing all of that work in my own body. And I started seeing changes that made me absolutely come alive. Okay. It took time and it took a lot of commitment and so much grit. And I think that's something that so many women don't realize when you have babies that you should commit to. You should commit to not only making it through pregnancy, but making it through postpartum and showing up for yourself and giving yourself that time and commitment to recover. I shed so many tears along the way next to my bed while my husband watched me doing these exercises and I would beat my fist on the floor and just be so frustrated that they were so hard, but they transformed my entire life. I am more athletic than I've ever been at this point in time. And I'm also older than I've ever been in my life to today, right? But I love sharing that. I love sharing the message that it's truly never too late in your body, no matter how long ago you had kids, 10, 15, 20 years ago, to make shifts, to make changes, to increase your strength and your knowledge and decrease pain and chronic frustration, to stop peeing your pants. I could help someone who was 50 years old stop peeing their pants. That's fantastic, right? And all moms should have accessibility to this. I can jump on the tramp with my kids. I can play and I don't feel resentful in any way. Like having babies changed my body for the worse or forever and now I'm stuck. I always tell my clients that pregnancy does change your body and you'll get probably some stretch marks and some loose skin. Those types of things are not hurting anyone's quality of life. But when it comes to peeing your pants in public when you're sneezing or feeling like you have to go to the chiropractor weekly just to keep yourself upright or your back is chronically preventing you from living and doing the things that you want to do, those are the things postpartum that are impacting people's quality of life and that have no part in your entire life. We should be able to move past them and move on. So this whole experience really gave me the opportunity to learn how to keep commitments to myself and how to be incredibly honest and humble with myself and where I was at and how to love myself, give myself grace and compassion and encouragement. And now I get to coach women every day who deserve that same power in their own lives. And it is a tremendous blessing. It makes me very emotional. And my clients know that I love them fiercely because I know where they're at and I see them and I think they're grateful that they have a coach who has been where they're at and who can let them know that this is not forever and that there's a way forward. Sticking true to your lemonade theme, which I love so much, I would just love to leave a couple pieces of advice here for moms who maybe feel caught in the lemons of life and would like to move forward and create their own lemonade. Um, Moms seem to have a really difficult time showing up for themselves. We feel heavily obligated to our kids, our spouses, our neighbors, our siblings, our parents, the list goes on and on. And we oftentimes feel that if we're not giving 110% to everyone else all the time, then we are not successful as women. Uh, It's something I hear frequently from clients, but when you don't create room in your life to show up for yourself and care for yourself, you'll find that the bandwidth that you have to care for others actually becomes more and more limited. And I know it sounds backwards. I know that sounds crazy, 
But when I was struggling with chronic back pain and fatigue, even hope, you can imagine just how impactful I was in other people's lives or just how much I was able to give outside of myself. And it was not much. It was not much at all, not even to my husband or to my children who saw me oftentimes stuck on the couch and feeling really, really down, right? So I would encourage moms to do two things. First, to refuse to believe that they are stuck anywhere that they don't want to be. That is just not the truth. Just because the answers for postpartum recovery weren't clear didn't mean that they weren't there. You have to be your first and your greatest advocate in all things. And you have to believe that you are worth the investment of time, money, or whatever it is to improve your quality of life. So that is definitely first. And second, I would encourage moms to make and keep commitments to themselves. Keep being the key word. Keep those commitments to yourself. If you've been wanting to schedule time to invest in your health or to get away, to go out for a walk or to go to the gym or whatever it is you enjoy doing, that Pilates class, right? If you've been wanting to schedule that time, but at the end of the day, you never get to it because everyone else needs you and there just wasn't time, at some point or another, your health will falter. And then you really may not be able to give the way that you would like to. So showing up for yourself will actually arm you with more power to bless and serve people outside of yourself when you're feeling strong and confident and capable. And it's a way that we can teach our children by example of how we want them to care for themselves as adults. We don't ever want to see our daughters grow up to become mothers and sacrifice their bodies physically and their spiritual bodies, their emotional bodies for the sake of everybody else so that they feel starved for nourishment in every one of those aspects of their life, right? This is how we teach them. We can tell them, but that's not going to be nearly as impactful as if we show them. So that's my story, Heidi. (laughs) I love your story. It's so powerful. And I keep thinking about how you were saying when you were pregnant, you know, and you kept being fit. And then afterwards you were trying to still be fit. And I thought, I use pregnancy as an excuse to not do any of those things. I was like, oh, is that what we're supposed to keep doing? I I use it as an excuse to eat all the donuts instead of just one or two. So so there's there is differences out there. And it's good for all of us, you know, because we do want that body back. We do want to feel better. We do need that energy and that strength. And it my husband would always say, it took you nine months to get that way. Give yourself nine months to get back because it just does something to your mind and your spirit and your soul to have to go through that. And I love that you're there to show us that it's okay and that we can move forward and that we can improve and we can feel better. And not every mom wants to be athletic, you know, not every mom wants to do what I wanted to do, but But they don't want to be in pain. They don't want to be in pain and they want to be able to be a mom. So you eat donuts during pregnancy, whether you <laughs> exercise, whether I think again, just coming back to how do I love myself? How do yeah. I take care of this one body that I've been given is so valuable. Absolutely. I love that you're inspiring us to be like, wow, this is my only body and I do need to listen to it. And I can take care of it because you do you. I love how you said that. Like the doctors are, Oh, it'll just get better, you know, but it doesn't like you're living with this for 20, 30 years and you're still having problem with this. And you're saying that coaching with you can fix it. 
Yeah. And there, I hope to see more and more postpartum coaches kind of taking the forefront of what's not happening within the healthcare system. And that does seem to be the case that a lot of us have to move outside of that rigidity to help clients really see the results that they want to see. Most of my clients have graduated from physical therapy, which is a really sad thing to say, but you know, it's not the physical therapist failing so much as the system itself and kind of the conveyor belts method that we take to fix these kinds of issues. Right. Do you think it's important that people come to a postpartum coach like day one after delivery or is it something that, oh, it's been six weeks or it's been a year? What do you think is best for people to reach out? I would have started this kind of work and this kind of rehab with my breathing system, my deep core, my pelvic floor, probably by week four postpartum. There's really not a time too soon to get started doing some of these gentle exercises and coaxing your body into the right direction. Uh, But I do see a lot of clients who are currently starting to take that into consideration during pregnancy and hire coaches during pregnancy who will lead them into postpartum. I have clients, some who are 40, some who are 50, some who are 30 or 20. It it doesn't necessarily matter because a lot of us have missed the boat on getting that help as early as possible. It just wasn't available and it was hard to find, but it is never too late. And the sooner you can start, the better, because then you can really leave those postpartum pains behind and kind of move on with the kind of fitness that you love and really want to be pursuing. I think that's really great advice because I know in my age, you know, I'm about to turn 50. And so a lot of my friends are my age and they've dealt with chronic back pain and hip pain and all, all kinds of aches and pains. And you're saying this could seriously be from pregnancy 20 years ago. Absolutely. Pregnancy fundamentally changes your postural alignment and decreases your mobility. And those two things combined can cause a lot of repercussive issues, which muscles you recruit, how we compensate, how we stand. Those mechanics make a really big difference. And then when we try to get stronger, and so we push ourselves in the gym or listen to mainstream fitness, mainstream fitness isn't speaking to people with special considerations. And moms are people with special considerations. We have to categorize ourselves there or we'll always be wondering, why can't I meet this standard? Why can't I do this? Well, maybe it's because you've got a few things that need to be addressed beforehand and then you can, and then you can move on, right? Nice. Yeah, years later, you can be impacted. If you never recovered the right way, your body just isn't going to go back to where it was by itself. It's adapted to how you were during pregnancy and, and after. It's frustrating for women who feel chronically told through, you know, society, mainstream fitness, that if they eat less and move more, that their bodies will become their ideal shape or what they're looking for, then they can accomplish their goals. Women are targeted in a lot of ways in the health and fitness industry and through society standards and culture. And it's very frustrating. But what's more frustrating is being caught in a position where you feel like you are doing those things, right? Whether that's postpartum or even if you're not dealing with postpartum pain specifically, but you're running up against why am I eating less and moving more and I'm unable to lose weight and I'm unable to feel any kind of energy in my body. We have to recognize, I love, I love referring to this as the good cop, bad cop routine. 
that health and fitness should be the classic game of good cop, bad cop. You should be exercising. Give yourself a little bad cop. Let's push ourselves. Let's see what we can do. But if you don't give yourself an equal amount of good cop, good recovery, good nutritional support, stress management, sleep, hydration, all of these things that are so important. And we're chronically dieting. We're chronically starving ourselves of the nutrients that we need. Your body's really smart and it will adapt. It will adapt. And this is where you oftentimes see people run up against issues with thyroid or adrenal health hormones, all kinds of metabolic resistance. So in essence, loving your body is the way to greater health and fitness, loving your body and giving how gracious can you be to your body? What can you give it to help it thrive is the way to achieving your greatest health. And when you feel confident and when you feel powerful, the way that you look becomes so much less important because you feel unstoppable and you feel confident. And it's so nice that the two don't have to go hand in hand always. I mean, I can tell you, I have in the past been lifting weights and felt so strong and so confident. And I knew that I wasn't at my lowest weight, but I did not care. (laughs) You know, it's just so great to get to that place. So Loving your body, being gracious will help you avoid a lot of pain down the road. And it's hard to tune out all of the negativity and the voices in your head that tell you that you should look a certain way. You should be able to do a certain thing, especially postpartum when you're trying to heal from this major ordeal and you feel like you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders to look a certain way or look almost like you didn't even have a baby as quickly as possible or fit into your old genes. What nonsense right? How gracious can you be to your body? That should be the question that everybody asks themselves on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so true. Be gracious. And then listen, listen to your body. It does know what it needs. It knows it needs food or water or exercise and check your hormones. I mean, there's nothing wrong with go get some blood work done, see where you're at, see what you need to tweak and do and get the help. And I love that there are coaches that can help us because we tend to think we know everything but these coaches have done this extra steps. They've, they've learned more than the average person. That's why they can turn around and now teach us. So reach out to someone who's done this path and has learned a little bit more than you do and learn from them. Absolutely. Especially if you feel like you've tried everything. I've yeah. tried everything. I hear that all the time. I've worked with physical therapists. I graduated. I'm still not fixed. Right. I did cookie cutter programs that I found via so-and-so's app. I did this. I did that. You need a coach who's looking at your body over a course of time and helping you move the needle in the right direction yeah. because your body's unique and it's not like everybody else's. And chances are that it needs something different from everybody else's. Uh, right. So true. I love talking to coaches because I'm always so impressed with the things they know and that they're so passionate about and they can teach. And I'm always like, how did I not know this before? <laughs> but yeah. I didn't, I didn't know this. And so I love learning from coaches and and taking all of their knowledge and then now using it for, to better myself. So I, it's a gift and I appreciate you sharing it. It's a beautiful gift. So thank you. Thank you so much. You're awesome. You're still here. Well then enjoy this little outtake from that interview. I think my biggest problem with, like, I have a, a, a personal trainer and I get so frustrated that I I should be able to do this by now. And he says, who said, you know, 
Yeah. Where's yeah. the rule is I'm like, I've been trying this for a month. Why can't I lift this? Or why can't I, why I'm not, not getting stronger? Whatever. He's like, Oh my gosh, you know, be kind to yourself, be patient with yourself. I'm like, stop with the patience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we do, we want to be like, Hey, I've lifted weights for a week. I should look like a rock star. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> exactly that way. And it's frustrating because most of them are lifting weights and doing hard things. And then I'm asking them to scale back and to do something different yeah. and something that feels like it should be easy, but is so challenging for their body that it's, it can be definitely that. Why can't I, I should be, and I'll always yeah. say, but should you be, Yeah. <laughs> should you be able to, have you done this before for how long? No. Okay. Then you shouldn't be able to, you're right where you're supposed to be. That's the good news. Like, right where you're supposed to be. And that's where we can make progress from. We can't make progress. If we skip over where your body's truly at, we have to be honest with that and meet it there. And then that's where we go from. Right. I love that. That's so true. I have enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.